0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Yes. Hallelujah. How's everybody doing this morning? Thank you for that word from Joaquin. I I, I think he's ready for next week. What do you think? He is he is bringing the word next week I'm excited about that amen make sure you invite someone out say we got a new preacher in the church amen you know uh, uh God is still on the throne right he is he is still on the throne he he is still in charge um, so I'm excited about that um, just if if you will just pray for uh Pastors uh, Steve and Leona, Pastor Steve, ha- uh, has a, a pneumonia, so he had it really bad, and so just in and out of the hospital, so just make sure you uh, pray for him. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to be reading out of Exodus 16, uh, verses 1 and 3. If I can have you stand one more time for the reading of the word, and we will pray. Amen. So Exodus 16, starting in verse 1. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger, with hunger. So we are in our series called Discerning Our Seasons. So today we're going to be talking about the wilderness season. Yeah, the wilderness. And anyone here feel like they're in the wilderness right now? Whole churches in the wilderness. Amen. So let's 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 just pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, just for uh just all that you're doing and, and who you are, Lord. And we just uh just in awe of your presence, Father. Lord, we just lift up Pastor Steve and Eleona. Lord God, that you restore their health, you restore their strength, you restore, Lord God, all that needs to be restored, Lord God. No more sickness. We bind sickness right now in the name of Jesus. We just claim your healing over their lives right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. So, Father, have your way in this service today, Lord. You have a plan, and we want your plan. Your plans are better than ours, and we want yours, Lord God. You move in this place. Thank you for calling me to minister to your word, Lord God. What a your presence. We want to be in your presence, Lord God. Yes, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody give him a shout in this place. Come on, he's good. He is. Amen. You can stand for the rest of the service. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So, like I said, we are in our series. It's called Discerning Seasons. Um, <clears throat> everything in this life, God has ordained to function in seasons and in cycles. Right. That's why Genesis um, <clears throat> eight twenty two says. As long as the earth remains, there will always be planting, harvest, um, cold, heat, summer, winter, day, and night. So just as the uh, weather changes, so does the seasons in our lives, right? So it's important that we know how to discern the seasons in our lives, right? Because what worked in one season may not work in another, So it's important that we discern what season that we are in so that way we can be able to navigate through that season. We know what's expected of us in in that season, what God wants to show us, what he wants to uh, uh, teach us. Is anybody going with me so far? So discerning, discernment is very important for our lives, very important. So every Christian should grow in discernment. It is the discernment that enables us to know, to tell the difference between right and wrong. It's very important. Spiritual discernment is a shield against deception, right? So it's it's important to know the influence of Satan in your life. It's important to know the influence of this world. It is important to know the influence of your flesh. And it's definitely important to know the influence of God in your life. Amen? Amen? So spiritual discernment is extremely important for our lives. Right? So we should, as a church, we should be, we should be praying for spiritual discernment. When a church doesn't have discernment, we will be adrift in an ocean of differing uh, of viewpoints pitted against one another. Sounds familiar? Yep. As the times that we're, we're living in right now, we're, we're so pitted against one another, all these different viewpoints. I mean, should we, should we be talking about Jesus right now? Right, so you, you think about what's going on in, um, in the days that we're living in right now, so many different viewpoints. And it's really bad what's going on out there. But it's an opportunity for the church to step up and to step in, right, and to make a difference, to make a difference. The Lord was just sharing with me. I was like, God, what do, what do we do as, as a church? All that's what's going on, all these uh, political stuff that's going on, this, uh, race, racist stuff, racism, and uh, what, what, is, what do we do as a church? What opportunity do we have? Well, first, as, as believers, as Christians, we must let the world know that church is not an option. Church is not optional. It's essential. Amen. That's good. Yeah. yeah, like church, well, God is still using the church. There's still power in the church. It's still a place where we can come in together and get equipped and sent out to make a difference throughout the week. Church is still a place where people can come in and get healed. Church is still a place that we can make a difference in our community. So we have to let people know that church is essential. It is not optional. I don't know where I would be without church in my life. Amen? And we need to be kind. Like we need to be kind to people. This is an opportunity for us to show people kindness. I was talking to uh, a Ben um, during the week. He was like, Pastor G, we just have an opportunity to, to not just to talk, but just to go out and just share the gospel. Like, go to our neighbors and share the gospel. We're talking about all these different viewpoints, but we're not sharing the gospel as Christians. This is an opportunity that we share the gospel. Of Jesus. Amen? Amen? And this is the opportunity that we have is to listen, listen, listen. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Wow. Opportunity for the church to listen, to listen. So we should be asking the Lord for spiritual discernment like Solomon did. I mean, he didn't do a great job with it, but at least he asked, right? He was making a difference for a little while, but he didn't even mess up. But he asked the Lord in in 1 Kings 3.9, he asked the Lord for for discernment to lead the people. So that way he can distinguish between right and wrong. See, God ties discernment to spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is linked to uh, 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 knowledge and and wisdom. Amen? So it's something that we can grow into. It's something that we can grow in. Spiritual discernment is something that we can grow in, right? It is a heightened sense of sin and turning away from, from known evil, right? Spiritual discernment is important in our lives, right? These are the main things to look for when you're discerning about something. Is it governed by love? A lot of people are talking, but what, what, if what they're saying, is it governed by love? Right? Is it centered around Jesus? It should be centered around Jesus. Does it direct us to Scripture or away from it? Right? So the words that are we saying, does it build up the church and its member? Does it give it power? Does it give it wisdom, character, boldness, unity? That's how you can discern whether it's something of God or not if it's governed by Scripture, if it lifts up the lifts up the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Should I keep going, or are we good? Okay, I'm going to keep going. So we're talking about the wilderness season. So it's important that we discern if we're in, a, in the wilderness or not. And while we're in the wilderness, we need to have spiritual discernment, right? Because we will be in the wilderness more than once in our lives. Let's hope, because if, if not, that means you are still in the wilderness. Some people I know have been in the wilderness for 30 years. <laughs> 40 years. That's not a good place. The wilderness is some, it's a place where we need to pass by, not a place that we live in, right? I- Israelite's supposed to just pass by the wilderness. Amen. So the wilderness is a place of preparation, right? So God leads leads his people to the wilderness and in the wilderness. To the wilderness and in the wilderness, right? The wilderness is never meant to harm you. It's designed to form you, right? So I know sometimes when I'm in the wilderness, I'm like, God, okay, when am I getting out? <laughs> when, when am I getting out? My, my focus is, is getting out. I learned to just say, okay, God, what do you want from me during this time? Because if we focus on just getting out, we will lose what God has for us. We will lose what, what God's trying to tell us and how He's, he's trying to grow us, right? So the wilderness is designed for God to remove something that doesn't belong in your life. Yeah, okay, Uh, that's it for a little while. I don't know, you know, if you understand that or not. I don't know, when God sends us to the wilderness, it's something that he's doing a new thing in our life. So he's, he's removing something that doesn't belong in your promised land. Okay, so Bob's with me on that one. He likes that. So he, so God will remove something from your life that doesn't belong in the promised land. Uh, yeah, we're heating up. We're gonna go somewhere. So how do we know that if we're in a wilderness when your normal way of life doesn't work any longer? It's like things in your life seem like it's just not working. Right. You know, your normal way of life is just not working any longer. Yeah. It's an indication that you are in the wilderness. Right. Right. Trials after trials after trials. Chances are you may be in the wilderness. You may be in the wilderness. So. So here's God. He just released the Israelites from slavery. So and they became hungry. And uh, so then they started to rationalize, um, like, okay, like, why are we here? Like, we're better off being in slavery. We're we're, we're better off just being where where we came from. Um, they started to lose perspective of the main goal. So they started to complain where the, where they were, right? So they so they didn't they God's plans right? They didn't, they didn't like God's plans. So they were just like, God's plans were too hard for them. So they, so they, they started to rationalize. They said, well, we had like three square meals and where we came from, like now you're, you're out here. Like they really, exa- sometimes we exaggerate, right? When we go on through rough times, they was like, oh, you're bringing us out here to starve. We're hungry. You're bringing us out here to starve. Right? So they started to exaggerate, you know, of of things. It's like, that. this is way too hard, God. So this was obviously frustrating to God because he was bringing them to a place of newness. He was bringing them to a place of newness, but they were refusing to get there. Right? There was no movement on their part. See, God will always bring us forward, not backwards. So they, they were convinced that God's plans was not better. They started to rationalize. They were convinced that God's plans is, wasn't better, right? If we're not convinced that God's plans are better than ours, then what then? Why should we move forward in a plan that we don't think was gonna make a difference in our lives? So what do, what do we do? I remember times Early on in my walk, um, I was really growing and in, in, in growing spiritually, serving in ministry really well, and then, then when every time, that, every time that I had uh, a financial issue, I would um, use my backup plan, my backup plan was to get a second job, right so why is that why is that so bad, right? You know I mean, you know, got to raise my family, got to feed my family and all of that. so why why, is, why was that so bad? But what that did, getting a second job took uh, took away, took my um, availability away from growing and serving in ministry, right? It stopped my, my spiritual growth. I was no longer growing because my time was occupied by working all the time. And so really, I never asked God for a better plan. I used my backup plan. Right? I never talked to him about God. Do you have a better plan? Right? This is how you know if what you're doing, right, is of God or not. Is it taking you away from him or drawing you closer to him? That's good. Is it drawing you closer to him or if it's taken away from you? Right? Because I know to certain people, they're growing spiritually, right? They're serving really well. He's showing up in their lives. He's doing amazing things and all of a sudden they get involved in something. And they stop their spiritual growth. They stop their spiritual growth. Are we okay so far? See, I wish I can tell you that God's plans will always make sense. I wish I can tell you that God's plans will make us feel good, but I can't. I wish I can tell you that God's plans will always make us feel comfortable and it's easier, but I can't tell you that. But what I, what I can tell you that God's plans is always better than ours, always better. It may be harder, but it will be better it will be better. Turn to someone and say, God's plans are better. Better, God's plans are better. But here's the thing, better is the process we must plan for. Better is the process we must plan for. We must plan for better. See, the promised land will not make you better, It's your wilderness season. Your wilderness season will grow you to a point where you can possess the promised land. We all right? Better is the process we must prepare for. So it will be horrible if we actually receive what we've been praying for Right. and Then all of a sudden, then we lose it because we're not prepared for. it. We're not prepared to hold on to it. Right. And so 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 this wilderness season, right, teaches us. Right. He prepares us for what's to come. So he must remove what we can't hold on to in the promised land. Oh, if I could just get a few people to go with me right now so God needs to prune us during this wilderness season he needs to prune prune us right he needs to remove right anything that hinders our usefulness so John 15 2 says every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit Amen. So when God looks at us, he looks at us as his masterpiece. And he looks at us as a part of that vine. We are the the branches in Jesus. So he's looking at the vine, right? He's looking at the branches and he said, "Okay, this doesn't belong in your life. That person doesn't belong in your life. This attitude I must take away. I must take away this. It doesn't belong because it's not going to bear fruit in our lives. So he starts pruning us. He starts pruning us. He looks at he, he's, he looks at us as a masterpiece where he needs to keep, keep pruning us so it can look the way that he wants it to look. He, he prunes us so that way we can hold on to the fruit. He prunes us so we can hold on to the fruit, so he prunes our weaknesses, right? He prunes it. He takes, a, he removes some of our weaknesses. So if you don't know what your weaknesses are in the wilderness, you will not know your, what your strengths are in the promised land. You won't, you won't. Wow, when the Lord gave me that, I was just like, man, that's incredible. God, people are gonna be shouting and dancing when I said that. If you don't know what your, your, your weaknesses are in the wilderness, you won't know what your strengths are in a promised land. So what is hindering you from possessing what God has for you? What does God need to remove from your life that's getting in the way of the fruit that's coming your way? What is it? What is it? So what was hindering the Israelites was there complaining. So I want to just talk for a few minutes about complaining. Can we can we do that? Right? Three things about complaining. Number 1 Number 1 complaining is a hunger pain. So the Israelites they were hangry. <laughs> They were hangry, for people, some people that don't, don't, don't know what hangry means is when you're hungry and angry at the same time. So they were hangry, and listen, I have to confess, I'm really bad when I get hungry. Like, I don't know what happens, I, I honestly, I'm not kidding you, I cannot help it. Like, I, I try to control it, but something happens when I get really hungry, it's just, it just affects my mood. I don't know what it is. I like, I turn evil. That's how I know this. Like, God, I know there's nothing good in me. There's nothing good in me. I just, I remember one time riding um, in, in Connecticut, riding with a good friend of mine, Pastor Sam on the Connecticut campus. We were riding, we were talking, we were having a great conversation. We were laughing, we were joking, right? And you know, he was driving, I was in the passenger side, right? And then all of a sudden, Shut down and I started looking out the window. He said, dude, you okay? You must be hungry. I looked at him, I said, I am. He said, oh my gosh, we need to stop right now to get you something to eat because I'm not going through this right now. He said, you don't have to act like this. This is ridiculous. I just completely shut down. we were having a good time and something just happened. Something just came over me. I just got really hungry and I got really angry. I didn't like the world at that moment. That, yes, that's, that's why Caitlin's is over here by herself because she is hangry right now. Leave her alone. Right, so it was their hunger, right? It was the see their hunger was their root problem. Complaining was only their response to their hunger. But the, their hunger was the root problem. Right. Their hunger made them forget about how good God is. It just made them forget about all that God has done in their life. Like they had God just released them from slavery and was feeding them. Right. So the moment they got hungry, they forgot about how good God is. Right. Right. So how does the Bible tell us to overcome? How should we overcome? We overcome by the blood and the word of our testimony. So it's our testimony is when we testify of the goodness of God. We need to start bringing back our testimonies, right? We need to start sharing with people, especially during this time, how good God is. How good God is. He's going to give you a new testimony, but don't forget about what he's already done in your life, right? Because sometimes we're looking for a new movement, but don't forget about the old one. Don't forget about what he did before. Amen? So they were, they were, they were, they were hungry. So they were, they, were, they were one of those, what have you done for me lately, Christians? That's what they were. So, like, God, I know what you did. Last week, but what have you done for me lately? God, I know what you did just an hour ago, but what have you done for me lately? Amen. So their hunger was the root issue. Their complaint their complaining was just a response to their hunger pain. See, we all have, we all have hunger for something. To hunger and thirst for God is at our very core. It's the root of our being. It is the way God made us. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. I truly believe some Christians today have lost their hunger for God. It's how he designed us to hunger and thirst after him. Hunger and thirst. When there is no hunger for the presence of God, that is an indicator that there's a spiritual problem in our lives. Because we are designed to hunger and thirst after him. Right? So when we're not hungering after God, that's an indicator that there's a spiritual problem in our lives. Right? Hunger and thirst after him. I understand why we read about the woman at the well, how immediately Jesus quenched her thirst. Because when he quenched her thirst, he knew that that's where she would draw from for the rest of her lives. Mm. That's where he, so she would stay hungry. That's where she would draw from for the rest of her lives. Amen? See, complaining is like Eating junk food. It is complaining is like eating junk food, right? Because it doesn't always come out the right way. It tastes good while it's going down, but it does not always come out the right way, right? And then it's the way your body responds to it, right? You eat enough junk food, right? I mean, I mean, obviously it just doesn't good. It's not good for the body, right? It's just not good for the body, and. Right. You will always crave it. <laughs> right. That's that's the same with complaining. It doesn't all, it never gives it a good response. Right. And it's something that you will always want to do. Right. So we need to. So if we change our diet, it'll change our hunger. <laughs> yeah. Change our diet, it'll change our hunger. Because God wants us to hunger for him. So we need to get rid of the root problem first. Are you with me? Yes, sir. So, and the second thing about complaining is complaining is a habit, as I was just alluding to. Right? Complaining is a habit. Complaining is a habit. And sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it. Right? So the, the Israelites had the same reaction for different problems. Right? So, so when they got hungry, you know, they, they complained. When they got thirsty, they complained. They, they complained uh, uh, when, before God moved the Red Sea. They complained. They had the same reaction for every problem. So if you have the same reaction for different problems, that is what God needs to remove in your life. Complaining is habitual, right? It shows the lack of trust in God. It shows a lack of trust that God can do it, right? right? It shows our focus is not on God, it's on our problems. And as if God can't do anything about it. <laughs> if he can't do anything about it, right? So we need to change our default setting. If complaining is a habit, we need to change our default setting, right? Not to complain for every situation. See, in this world, I believe we lost the art of listening. We're so focused on responding, but we lost the art of listening. It's true. If you think about these days now, all we do is respond. On social media, all you read is just everyone's response. Well, we don't listen to one another. We don't have a conversation with any in, anyone because we're so ready to respond. So even so, we don't, so even with with the Lord, all we're doing, we're sitting there, we're just responding to God. We lost the art of listening. Even when we come to church, we're so preoccupied. We're looking at our, at our phone. I hate to go down this road, but looking at our phone, and just we're just responding and not listening to what the Lord is saying, what the Lord will want to say to us. We look and we just, we're looking, we're just responding. Hey, look at this, look at this. We're just, we're just responding. We're not listening. We lost the art of listening, listening, listening to what the Lord wants to say to you, listening, you gain understanding. Listening is not the same as hearing. Listening is in a position ready to receive and to understand and to follow through what the Lord is saying to us. Listening, listening. When Samuel first got into ministry, his mentor Eli taught him how to listen before he served. He, he, so in First Samuel, as they were sleeping, uh, uh, Samuel heard the voice of God. Did not know it was God, and so he woke up and he says he ran to Eli. He says, "Here I am." Eli said, "Dude, that 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 wasn't me. You know, go go back to sleep." So he went back to bed, and and the Lord called him Samuel. Samuel he went got back up, went to Eli. He, "Here I am," he said. "Dude, go go back to sleep. That that wasn't me." So then the third time he went to him, he told him. He says. This is what you do. After the third time, he said, this is what you do, Samuel. Say, go back. It is the Lord. Go back and just say, Lord, your servant is ready to hear. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So at the beginning of Samuel's call, his mentor Eli taught him how to listen to the Lord. Complaining is not listening. Complaining is just responding. We lost the art of listening, listening, listening to what the Lord is saying. We ruin relationships because we don't really listen to what the person is saying. We're just ready to respond. Right? Are we okay? Because I'm parked in the back, so... Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Third thing about um, complaining, it's contagious. It's like a disease, right? But it serves as a bad witness, right? It does. It serves as a bad witness. See, when they were hungry, the Israelites were hungry, they complained, and it just has such a negative impact on everyone else. right? Think about the uh, the twelve spies that were sent out um, to to uh, plot out the land to see if it was uh, the land full of milk and honey, what God promised, right? Um, so t- ten came back with a negative uh, report and two came back of a positive report. The negative people, the negative ones were so. They complain so badly that it stopped them from moving forward. So it's actually complaining is actually con- contagious. It, re- it really is, right? So um, it stops our momentum. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Like, do you know the influence that we actually have, right? Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Like it could can, can be two people sitting in church, right? Two people, one um, is sweating, and the other one is really cold. So the person that's really cold said, it's always cold in here. Why don't they fix the air? Every week I come in here, it's cold. They know it's cold. I know they know it's cold, right? Aren't you cold? So they look at the person that's, that's cold and, and that's sweating, right? They say, you know, you know what? It is really cold in here. You're right. It's really cold in here. I'm sweating because I always sweat. I'm not sweating because I'm hot. I'm just always sweating. I'm really cold, but I know I'm sweating, but I'm really cold. You're right. I need to go talk to them about why is it cold in here all the time. You're right. So, So complaining is contagious. Complaining is contagious, right? We can rub off on one another. So we have to be careful of... Our complaints. Complaining is not a biblical response. God wants us to have a biblical response to world issues. Mm. Come on, if we want to bring change in a big way, then God wants a big response. So change your, So if you change your diet, you will change your hunger. And if you change your habit, you will would, you would respond better. Okay, can I give you uh, four ways we should respond? It's gonna be really quick and then we're done. Ready? It comes out of Romans 12, one through two. It says, I beseech you, you, you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love this. This is actually the, the scripture, the foundation of scripture of this series. I actually love it because it tells us four ways to respond. First, it tells us how to present ourselves. Presentation, right? We are to pre- present ourselves as a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. I know a couple of weeks ago I talked about how um, obedience is better than sacrifice, but this is saying that we are to be a living sacrifice, being a living sacrifice. We must always be ready, holy, and acceptable to God to carry out his will. Right? We have to, we, so what, what we sacrifice, we no longer own. So when we sacrifice ourselves, our body, we no longer own that. We are to God. So we are, we are to obey God and we are to be available for God and be ready to be used by God. So we should be like Jesus. When Jesus came into the world, he, he says in Hebrews 10, 5 through 3, just to paraphrase, he says, this body, God, that you have prepared for me, I, I, behold, I have come to do your will. I just come to do your will. So this body that you prepared for me, I just, I'm just here to do your will. Right? Jesus could have just, he could have used his body to seek his own, right? To seek his own honor and power. But he didn't. His body he presented to God was to do God's acceptable will. So then we need to separate. It talks about separation. We are to to avoid conforming to the world's ways. God did not give his son to us for the church to become a twin to the world. He did not give his best for us to look like the world. There needs to be a separation Like this scripture is powerful for uh, the times that we live in I truly believe some Christians are conforming to the world. You don't know the difference. Look at their response to what everything is going on. Look at the response that they're giving. It's like, oh my God, what's the difference between a non-believer and to a believer? Look, it's just really no difference. We're tearing each other down. We're not being kind. Who cares if we have differences? That's actually, that should be a good thing. It's okay. We should be able to coexist, right? When we look to tear each other down, there needs to be a separation, right? The church cannot be codependent to to this world. It cannot. Very emotional. Get all this er emotional response to worldly problems. No, God wants us to have a biblical response. There needs to be a separation, right? People need to see Christ in us. And people need to uh, uh, hear the response of Christ-like in us. We need to respond as, as Christ would. Are we okay? Transformation. We are to remove, re- renew our minds, and thus it'll change our lives. We have to stop looking for an outside miracle to change our minds. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We have to stop look, waiting for an outside miracle to change our minds. Most miracles won't come until you renew your mind. I hear a lot of people say, hey, you know, my mind is, is negative because of my, my life is hard. Well, you actually should reverse that. Your life is hard because there's always a negative response. So to renew our minds, it's important. We don't want the enemy to get the best of our minds, right? We cannot make our minds a sidewalk for the enemy to trample on. So it's whenever seed is planted in our lives, the enemy is coming in and destroying it. Don't allow him to trample. Don't make your mind a sidewalk. We need to fight. We have the power we have the power to bind and to loose, yeah. right? So the Bible tells us to guard our minds, to renew our minds. We can renew, Our minds can be renewed by reading the word of God, meditating on the word of God, listening to what Jesus said, listening to what the word is saying about us. Like the Bible says that but God said, I, did not, I have not given you the spirit of fear. I have given you what? A power and love in a sound mind. That is what God has given us, a sound mind. So we don't allow the enemy to trample on our minds. We don't allow other people to trample on our minds. Know the truth, live the truth. Dennis Demonstration. And I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close. Demonstration. We are to prove that we belong to God. We belong to God. The church is in the wilderness right now. But God is doing something. He wants us to demonstrate that we belong to him. And by doing that, we are to do his will. We are to show kindness to people. We are to show Christ to people. Demonstrate his love. Man, imagine if we love people like God loves us. Or at least try. I know we can't, but at least try. Where will this world be? We can make, it's an open door for the church right now. That we can make a difference in each other's lives. So we are in the wilderness, we need to ask ourselves, God, what what do you need to remove in my life? So as a church, he's leading us into a promised land for us to possess something. But he's pruning us right now. He's removing some things so that way we can, we can, we can do that. Are you with me? this makes sense? Yes. So what are we doing? What are we going to do in this wilderness right now? to do a new thing. He's looking at all of us as his masterpiece. You're my masterpiece. You're my masterpiece. you're my masterpiece. And he's also looking at us like hey, this doesn't belong. This cannot go with you to your next season. This can't go. What is it? What is it? How are we going to know that? Getting back to the art of listening. Listening to him. Listening to what he's saying. Listening what he wants from us. Come on stand with me.